Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Later on in the show this week, we're going to be talking all things space. But first, joining me as always is our leader at Tech Central Towers, it's Niall Kitson, our Editor-in-Chief, uh, just chatting about the stories of the week. Niall, first thing I want to ask you is, Bill Gates no longer uses a Windows smartphone. What kind of a smartphone do you think he's using? Does anyone use a Windows smartphone? <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Uh, he was doing an interview this week and somebody asked him what, what kind of a smartphone he uses. And believe it or not, it's an Android yeah, well, a natural tinker, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can imagine he wouldn't be so much of a fan of Apple's wa- walled garden. So, yeah, OK. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And he, if you, of course, it, it being the company man, he said he's stuffed it full of Microsoft applications. Oh, but of course. <laughs> but of course. I wonder if he's gotten the Samsung smartphone and then teamed it up with the, uh, the Dex. Because we were talking about uh, only a week or two back about how it would be great if your smartphone was also your computer and you just stuck it into a dock and you had a keyboard and a mouse and a, and a, a screen. And I've been reading up and looking at uh, this new Dex unit from Samsung. I'm sure you've probably heard of it, mm-hmm. which yeah. does exactly that. You stick your smartphone into the dock and then it will show up on the screen. But it says specifically formatted so that all of the programs and everything will display in a normal laptop format, if you like, on, on your screen. And pretty much the only applications that have been adapted to work specifically for that are the Microsoft applications and I'm mm. tempted I'm tempted to spend the 150 quid and get one just so as I can have a dock there and I can just do my email and I can do my documents uh, which is pretty much all I need the odd spreadsheet here and there it is the dream really isn't it I'm tempted yeah all of the reviews kind of went like you know this is for nerds this is for geeks and I went hello <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's not a laptop replacement uh, by a long shot but just for doing that yeah, I'm, I'm tempted. Anyway, that's 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 a toy for Christmas. Let's uh, have a chat about the big stories of the week. I am shocked about the big story that is uh, across Ireland this week about our favourite internet service provider or the, a provider of broadband to other companies, uh, Cyro. Yeah, well, Cyro, Cyro is um, they're a broadband wholesaler, so people will come in and they will resell or they will sell on uh, access to Cyro's network. Um, now, Cyro, uh, I covered them before it was actually Cyro back in two thousand. 2015 I think it was and they were doing a trial out in Cavan and they were trialling gigabit broadband um, which is tremendously innovative at the time especially to do it in rural area and um, their model uh, I mean they're, they're a joint venture of the ESB and Vodafone so they're just putting together the best of both worlds Vodafone knows telecoms and they know fibre ESB knows how to get a network into people's homes so they do fibre to the building which makes gigabit broadband um uh, very doable, and that, indeed. And that's what I loved about the whole thing, because every single home in Ireland has got electric cables going into it. Yep, and uh, very, very simple, and it works. Uh, unfortunately, though, um, the National Broadband Plan was down to three uh, three entries, uh, shortlisted Cyro, 
uh, SSE ENET, which is a very similar proposition because SSE Electricity being a power company, ENET being an open access network provider, and uh, AIR. But of course, AIR is, AIR is in there. They, they kind of have to be really, don't they? Mm. Um, and Syro said, okay, we actually can't put together a business case to um, make the scheme work for us. So look, we've got our own plan. We're going to stick to it. And you guys have at it. So they've pulled out of the national broadband plan and, and that particular structure, but they haven't pulled out of the market. They're still going to roll out and they're going to sell their high-speed internet access to other providers. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Um, the national broadband uh, plan, The its goal is to get 30 megs into uh, every house or for, for every house to have access to 30 megs and for 50% of houses to have access to 100 megs. Uh, but... And if you look at what's on offer on the market at the moment, that's not terribly pie in the sky stuff, is it? Well, the National Broadband Plan was written, you know, I think, what was it? Was it Edison wrote the plan? That <laughs> <laughs> was a long time ago. So at the time when they were writing it, yeah, but you'd think they would have upgraded it because uh, I'm, I'm on the basic uh, Virgin Media package and now admittedly I'm in Dublin and I've got cable TV up to the house, but I'm regularly getting 100 megs down and I feel very happy with it. So 30 megs seems to me to be a bit paltry. Quite modest, uh, and bear in mind you know, what people's actual usage is as well. So it's, it's a case of can you actually do what you want to do with your broadband connection? Uh, and more and more people are saying, do you know, what? I, I actually can. Uh, how many people are doing speed tests every day anyway? I mean, this is kind of kind of ridiculous. Um, so yeah, Syro have decided that they can't put together a business case, and they're pulling out, uh, which leaves two. But here's the thing: I mean, the progress on the national broadband plan has been so slow, so slow that. Um, you know, it's going to be at least another year before a decision is made. It's going to be at least another five years before something is actually rolled out. Um, it's it's not looking good. I mean, you know, if and when a decision is made, we could be happy out. But the whole point of the National Broadband Plan was that it was done up at a time when it was said the market had failed, that um, people weren't seeing the value in going into uh, certain parts of the country because, you know, say, I think at the time UGC was the only... Um, the only people actually developing a fibre power network. And when I say fibre power, it's not fibre to the building, it was fibre to a cabinet and copper was the, the last bit and, and uh, BT uses the same model as well, Air uses the same model. So it was um, fibre to the building is actually quite novel um, and it wasn't around when the plan was written. Now we're getting to the stage where the likes of Syro uh, are rolling out this kind of network organically. They have their own plans to do so uh, and they've got a, a sizable chunk of network backbone to, to help make it happen. So the market won't have failed by the time people actually start getting getting connected through the plan. Mm. Um, and it's almost it's almost damaging for people to think that, you know, the government is going to swoop in and help because I think that actually slows the market if they think, OK, over here, we'll wait for the government to step in and subsidise that. Um, I, I think it's a, I, a little bit of a non-runner. I think businesses should work on the assumption that government is not going to get the job done at this stage. Well, businesses will always focus on on those areas where there are lots of people. So you've got all of the major metropolitan centres and the large towns across Ireland are fine. It's the guy who's living in a, in a little cottage halfway up a mountain uh, that's in trouble because nobody wants to serve him, which is what I loved about Syro, because if he's got electricity in his cottage, well then give him broadband. Mm. Anyway, yep. anyway, that's uh, we we wait and see what happens with that, uh, and I think we may be waiting some time, as you say. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, uh, this week people have been getting the uh, the brand new iPhone eight into their little lavas. <clears throat> 
Or um, not as the case may be. Or not as the case may be. Uh, very muted kind of uh, thing. I, I don't know anybody who's uh, who's got one so far. Do you know anybody who's got, who's got one? I know people who have played with it and reviewed it. Do you know what? Like, and I don't know anyone that has one or has interest in getting one. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you've seen, you've seen what's going on at Apple stores on the morning the iPhone 8 was released. This was amazing. The Apple store in London, okay? So one of the world's greatest population centres and normally there are lines of people waiting to get the new phone and Samsung have uh, uh, taken the mick out of that with their ads in the past of people lining up to get these iPhones uh, and people walking past the Samsungs and all the Apple heads going, hey, what's that? <laughs> I love those. I love those ads. But in London, on the day of launch, there were more people and staff inside the Apple store than there were outside queuing up to get one. There were 13 people in the queue. Yeah. Okay. right. I'm going to throw something at you and you may agree with me or you may not agree with me. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that the iPhone X is the reason why people were not queuing for the iPhone 8. Perhaps. I think with the iPhone X, it's very interesting in that everybody is focusing on the price of the iPhone X. It's 999 However, if you were to look at the Samsung Note 8, which is their flagship phone, guess what price it is? Hit me. 999 Yeah, yeah. So Samsung are already out there at that price range. So why is everybody giving out about uh, uh, Apple to do it? Um... I don't know. I really don't know. It'll be interesting when the when the iPhone X does come out or the iPhone ten, pardon moi. Um uh we'll wait and see. But I, I think what I have seen this week online, which I don't normally see, is just, you know, floating around YouTube and lots of people just verbally abusing Apple for the iPhone 8 saying this is like it's a minor tweak it's not even a new phone uh, and then uh, there was one there was one girl I sent you the link for that girl didn't I she's a bit crazy in, in America I think yeah, yeah now I didn't watch it so so oh. tell me tell me oh she's very funny just kind of going on about like you know hey you, you tell us that we've now got an edge to edge screen wow nobody's done this before duh she says showing a picture of the Samsung <laughs> S4 probably or whatever uh, but the, the funniest bit that made me laugh was and now the iPhone X has got wireless charging and then she had a picture of the iPhone sitting on the wireless charger and then zoomed in on the charger at the back where there's a wire connected to the power and she's going mm. duh <laughs> there's a wire <laughs> but she was she, I mean she really was kind of just giving it a, a, a hell um, uh, and, and it, I, I thought it was funny but then of course like all I saw then was lots and lots of other people just giving out about uh, uh, the iPhone X on Apple and saying look this is an innovative somebody else was uh, uh, saying that you know since Steve died Apple is now only concerned about money and profits and they're not really the innovator that they used to be uh, there's little things about the phone that are just like niggly and annoying and that if that uh, had been Steve he would have said go and sort it out so I think it was something like the uh, the fingerprint sensor they're not able to, to put one on the uh, on the new iPhone mm. and uh, he said that's because they need to develop a little sensor underneath the uh, the LED screen he says if that if Steve was around he would have said make it work yeah 
but the Apple aren't doing that. It's kind of well, look, we'll put it out because we have a deadline, and this is what we're going to do. I kind of I get that feeling. Apple is definitely. I, I will still. You know, I'm not an Apple fan, uh, but I always say that they make extremely good hardware. And if you're into the whole Apple walled garden kind of thing, it's it's fantastic. So I'll give them the credit for that. Um, but I think they are. They've lost the whole innovator thing. I don't think Apple is an innovative company anymore. It's a premium brand, not innovative anymore. Okay, yeah. Although I, I will wonder. I, it, is the seven too good, or is the ten too exciting? No, I don't think the ten is too exciting at all. I don't think, think there's anything really exciting about the ten. There's some nice things on it, all right. But I don't think, and it's a great phone. Um, but I don't think it's uh, exciting in any way. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think the problem is is that the smartphones that have been out in the last you know two three years are really good smartphones, mm-hmm. and this year's aren't really that much better. There's no one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, I mean, this year's one more thing was the Apple TV. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> if you want to look up that uh, video on the internet, uh, the title of the video on YouTube is "iPhone X: Why You Shouldn't Buy." And uh, it's it, it's a crazy lady with uh, dark black hair and glasses holding the uh, the iPhone up. Uh, take a gander, I do search for it, and you get a giggle out of it. Uh, the other news this week, particularly to uh, our favourite president, <laughs> is that Twitter has now uh, is expanding the amount of characters that you will be able to use in a message tell all. Yeah, and ju- it just sort of popped out of nowhere. I mean, there w- there was talk of Twitter expanding uh, to various lengths, and. Um, uh, it is it is arrived and it is 280 characters. So you get double the tweets, double the noise, double the insults. Yeah, double uh, the Trump. <laughs> double the Trump, double the Trump. You can get lots more capital letters in there and maybe he'll try emojis or something like that. I don't know. I, I, Twitter really is noxious, isn't it? Uh, I was thinking about Twitter. I don't use Twitter to, to post on Twitter because surprisingly, even though I host uh, radio shows, I, I don't have much to say on Twitter. But I like kind of reading it because I think more intelligent people post on Twitter. Though maybe maybe that's just the people I follow. <laughs> well, I I, um, I use Twitter as a news feed. Yes. And uh, that's pretty much it. I don't I don't really uh, a news feed and, and anything about sports, that sort of thing. I generally don't um, get into conversations on it because what's the point? You, no. you, if you've got a nuanced opinion, you can't formulate it in 140 characters. That and you'll, you'll get people jumping down your throat, uh, which you don't need. I mean, if I'm chatting to somebody that I kind of know um, and uh, some randomer jumps in, Curling abuse. I mean, who, what's the value in that? You know, but you've got that. You've got that on Facebook as well, and all of the social media platforms. Uh, you know, kind of randomers coming in and just joining in a conversation, good well, or it's, bad. It's so. not as bad as YouTube. I mean, YouTube is a cesspool of oh. comments. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! We're not painting a, a, a very good picture of our, our lovely little tech world. <laughs> Not may- this week, no. May- may- maybe we should just concentrate on the gadgets. Listen, uh, we have run out of time for our, our little chat this week because I want to get into the space thing now in a second. And of course, uh, stories that we've missed, we'll check out in our One More Thing at the end of the show. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Tech Central.
Space Week kicks off next week with a series of more than 100 events taking place uh, around Ireland. And to kind of get us in the mood for that, we're going back to earlier in the summer when the Cork Institute of Technology ran a major space conference. And you may remember we spoke to astronaut Dan Tanney from there. Uh, if you missed it, it's on our show of June 30th, which you get on our website at uh, techcentral.ie. A report has been issued as a result of that conference about Ireland's future place in space. And Niall Kitson spoke with with Niall Smith from CIT to find out more. I guess just to start off, um, if you'd like to take us through a little bit of what was discussed over the the nine-week programme and uh, who was actually there. So the Space Studies Programme 2017 in Cork um, had 112 participants, 26 different countries, uh, 207 visiting experts, 40 space university staff and a plethora of local organising committee staff as well to support it. And the programme had 65 lectures. It had about 40 visits to various industrial or companies and other sites of interest for those involved in the space industry. Um, It also had uh, 50-odd public events, um, mostly in the evenings, distributed around the country. Uh, And it was the largest networking uh, um, event in the space calendar and certainly the largest one ever held in Ireland. Um, The event itself uh, takes place over nine weeks. Um, So during that time period, people get a real opportunity to uh, network properly because they get chances to start a conversation and continue the conversation. And they also um, break up into seven different Department. So you have from sort of the technology and science and engineering side to the policy side, the economics side and the humanities side. So it's very much interdisciplinary. It's very much intercultural and it really celebrates putting mixed and diverse groups together, both culturally, gender um, together And then uh, because that's what the global space industry generally requires. So it's like a microcosm of working in the global space industry and in essence the rationale for bringing it to Ireland and this would be a rationale that probably other host sites would use as well is that Ireland has a lot of uh, capacity or capability um, in many different domains but we haven't possibly used them in the space domain as much as we could so this was an opportunity to see what was possible and how we might go about doing that so that's a host site rationale so um i one imagines that you're not just going to show up for nine weeks and have nothing to to show for it at the end and and indeed there, there is this four point Array's plan that that came out of it. Um, so let's talk about um, where Ireland is at the moment. We've been we've been a member of the ESA since 1975, but I, would it be fair to say maybe that it's it's almost been a nominal chair, or has there been things going on? So the way that 
um, the space industry has changed in recent years. Um, it's been really a kind of a step change. Uh, um, as you say, Ireland has been a member of the European Space Agency for a long time. That was really the appropriate mechanism, I think, for a country with Ireland's background, with its GDP and so on, to be involved in space. And that works on a just retour policy. So if you invest a certain amount of money in the European Space Agency, you're effectively entitled to get that money back. Now, Ireland has done well out of that because the there has been a multiplier of somewhere between three and seven in terms of the economic return and we've invested somewhere between 15 and 20 million euros roughly per annum in the European Space Agency. So that's that's good. I mean a return of, of three to seven is, is, is good depending on how you measure it. But what we recognised is that uh, the global space community is changing and in 2016 76% of the investment in the global space industry came from private investment, not from the likes of NASA or ESA. And that's increasing. And really what we're starting to see are companies like Blue Origin, SpaceX, um, getting involved on the launcher side of things, but really a lot of companies getting involved in using the products from satellites. These are referred to as the downstream side of the industry. So things that are uh, developed um, could be data products, for example. So pictures would be an obvious one of the planet. Uh, but it could also be technologies that were developed for spacecraft that can now be repurposed for use on the ground um, uh, or in principle and in practice in the other direction. So it's that change in the space industry from being members solely of space agencies to looking at where we can engage with private industries and how we get some of our companies to become involved. And one final comment on that is that most of the companies in Ireland who are involved with ESA would probably be recognisable as space companies. But we know that there are companies who, whose prime focus, let's say, globally is agriculture, and they wouldn't consider themselves space companies. We know that there are local authorities who wouldn't consider themselves space local authorities. But what we're saying, and this is what we wanted to look at to see if what we were thinking was based in evidence, and we want, we, we, our view was that a lot of these companies already are using space for an element of what they do. So they're still agricultural companies or they're still companies focused on pharma or whatever, but space can play a role in helping them to develop and drive uh, their, 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 their business. So that's got to be a win-win for everybody, essentially. And so that's um, what motivated us to look outside of membership purely of space agencies while recognising that being a member of ESA is really important going forward for Ireland also. I guess it's that sort of engagement. It extends beyond ESA, of course, um, and I, I wasn't really aware of the extent to which the United Nations is involved, and particularly in the area of space law. Could you could you tell us a little bit about that? So, um, traditionally, space has, um, I suppose, been the domain of the large um, superpowers. And um, it has been about um, putting up satellites, and we've seen some of the applications of that in more recent times, for example, in in positioning, so your sat-nav and so forth. And th that requires already some law behind it, because who 
is um, who has if somebody if, if an American satellite flies over Ireland, does Ireland own the data? Does the US own the data? If a private satellite fl flies over a country, the same argument applies. And and the issue is that as satellites become more and more powerful, in principle, the data that they have becomes more and more sensitive. So law and um, how who owns what from that data point of view starts to become really important because also what we're seeing, just like with the Facebooks and the Twitters of this world, if you have the data, then, then you have a way of using that data for commercial gain, but also it has implications beyond that um, for security um, in some instances, and also for things like disaster mitigation. So the question is, is that data free? If not, how much? At what point does it become free if it's for societal good and so forth? So we need laws that transcend national boundaries so we need international laws to really govern this and to look at this and so law then starts to become really important when the data products start to really affect the citizen walking around on the planet itself and that's really where we're at now and that's increasing at a very rapid rate and law i guess you could argue, um, certainly in Ireland, we're lagging behind in terms of having space law and also in terms of having policies as to how uh, you engage with the global space community. That's very important too. So uh, you can also then take a slightly more extreme or a more forward-looking, I should say, rather than extreme, that as we go to look at things like mining asteroids for precious metals, which are becoming depleted on Earth, uh, who owns those? Um, is it just a company, again, who, uh, because they have the money to put a device on a satellite to, to extract a, a valuable resource, do they then own that? Or is there a global or, or globally societal good? This type of question we're now coming uh, becomes real because the technology allows us to actually go from a theoretical discussion into actual practical commercial um, and uh, national and international discussion. So law actually is now uh, becoming more important at a, at a rate that, that, that um, at an increasing rate because the technology transforms it into something that's real. Yeah, I think that question of ownership is really interesting because I know for years you've been able to do things like buy stars and name them after whoever you want to uh, and it's always been quite an abstract thing but but now we are getting towards the the concrete if you will or you know the the looking for for minerals and new natural resources yeah it, it has you're absolutely right and and you know we used to smile at um you know buy a star for somebody i mean it has actually no um well there's no practical basis anyway but it also there's no basis in law so the 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 un has the 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 convention on the peaceful use of outer space for example um which in large part says that space is owned by everybody and should be should be held um uh, as a as a safe haven for for all of humanity but but that's that's creaking at the seams in the sense that um, we're starting to see that um, uh, when you look at stars, they're far enough away that you can't reach them. So fair enough. But when you start to look at assets that are closer to the planet that you can reach, um, then you've got to start to modify the way the way you look at those. And that's a very exciting time to be here. But it's also an opportunity for Ireland um, to, to be involved in that. It's, it's a it's an opportunity in the positive sense, but also on the on the sense of an, and we have to be careful that it's not an opportunity lost for us that we don't get written out of policies or laws that uh, would allow us 
to take advantage, um, for example, of the data around our coast, the fish around our coast, for example, and so forth. What if somebody else had the really better data than we had access to because we weren't included in that? I mean, that's an, that, that's, that particular example is unlikely to happen, but take it as an extreme example nevertheless. So I think we'd want to be fairly sure that we... Uh, had our sovereignty uh, protected. Um, but um, the obvious comment, and it's the comment that the astronauts make about the overview effect that when you're up in space looking down, there are no geopolitical boundaries. Um, and so uh, when you put up a satellite, it, it doesn't see any boundaries, particularly the boundaries are made by individuals, not by the satellite. So it's an exciting but an important time to be thinking about policy and law. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Niall Smith from CIT earlier on in the summer. And if you're interested about Space Week, which is taking place between October 4th and 10th, you get it online at spaceweek.ie. Now, just before we go this week, Niall is still with us. What's our one more thing, one story online we couldn't squeeze into the show? Yeah, well, some bad news from Microsoft as uh, Siri is looking for a new search friend. Ooh, you can get more on that and all of the Irish tech news with our hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech radio show online and broadcast each Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. Next time from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.